Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast, everyone. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jill Dunn. Hey, Carlene. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, you know, keeping keeping safe and sanitized in my bedroom. <laughs> Love it. So today we have a glow down episode and our guest is Ariel Laurie. Ariel is the creator of The Blonde Files, a lifestyle, wellness, and health platform that's earned more than 200,000 followers. Six years ago, that was far from the case. After nearly losing her battle against addiction, Arielle turned her life around by pursuing health and happiness. So on her platform, whether you're looking for recipes, healthy living tips, beauty finds, fashion, and fitness inspo, Arielle is your girl. And what might surprise some people at first glance, I think, you know, we see this sort of influencer on Instagram. She's got pretty blonde hair, this rock type physique. She's living her best life in Malibu. And we kind of make all kinds of assumptions. We think we know everything there is to know about that person. Arielle really has a lot more guts and smarts and depth than meets the eye. So pull up a chair and get ready to sip that tea. You guys are going to love her. And we're actually doing a pod swap with Arielle. So catch us over on her show this week, The Blonde Files Podcast. It's a new show on our Dear Media Network where we're chatting about the trends that we think are over in 2020 and how beauty culture is changing during quarantine and beyond. In today's episode, Arielle gives us the real talk on what life is like post-recovery, how she deals with judgments when it comes to her marriage. She's married to Chuck Laurie, who's twice her age. And she's been super open on her show about having cosmetic surgery herself. So she's going to give us all the insider details on what lesser known treatment was totally worth the money and the time and the pain and which cosmetic treatment is actually way overhyped. And as always, we will recap everything that we discuss from products to treatments. Um, In today's episode, we'll recap that over on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. Welcome, Arielle. Oh my God. 
So first of all, I read that you grew up in Rhode Island and I actually went to college at Providence College. No way. In Rhode- yeah. So I was curious where you were from and um, what area and if you like miss it at all or do you go back? So I grew up in Barrington, which oh, is about 20 minutes outside of Providence, which in Rhode Island, everything is pretty much 20 minutes outside of Providence. Totally. <laughs> but I grew up there. It's like a little like ocean town, very idyllic, very quaint. And I went to high school in Providence. And then I went to Syracuse for a semester. I dropped out. I was super into drugs and alcohol at that point. I talk about this very openly um, Mm -hmm. for people who don't know my story. But I left Rhode Island. Actually, I came back and I took classes at PC. You did? Providence College. Yes. I At that point, like I was off to the races. I was partying all the time. But I was like, well, if I'm in school, like maybe I can get back kind of on the straight and narrow. Yeah. And I was taking night classes there. So I was part of like oh. the continuing ed, but that was problematic because all I wanted to do at night was drink and do drugs. So we really want to give our listeners who aren't familiar with your story, um, you've been really open, like you said, about kind of being at rock bottom not that long ago, like six, seven years ago. So maybe you can tell or fill everybody in sort of on your journey. Yes. So I'll give you the really condensed version because I usually end up going off on like a 20 minute tangent. But, um, I, as I mentioned, I got really into drugs and alcohol um, for no particular reason, really. I just found it and it did something for me that I never knew I needed. And so I was kind of off to the races in my early 20s. And from, I would say, 20 to 28, it was just like pretty much a shit show. I could not get it together. I couldn't hold a job. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't pay my bills. I couldn't do anything. All I cared about was drinking and drugs. It got so bad that I was like in and out of rehab every couple of years. And by the end, I was living out here in California. I was having seizures all the time. I was in and out of the hospital. I was to the point where I had like no friends, no job, no nothing. I was living in an empty apartment because my boyfriend had moved out. He was like, you're crazy. And I was having seizures and pretty much in a blackout for like three months. So that was six years ago. And yeah, I'm super open about my story. You know, I started over at the age of 28 with nothing. Yeah. Um, So how did you come back from that? How did you, you're obviously in such a better place now. How did you get out of that? Well, I was intervened on. I mean, I was to the point where I couldn't physically distance myself on my own from drugs and alcohol. It was such a primal thing the drinking and using. I was physically dependent. So I knew I couldn't stop. You know, I was just in such a terrible place, but I couldn't ask for help. And luckily my family was like, she's going to die. And so they flew out to California and I ended up going to treatment again for like the fifth time. <laughs> and at that point, I knew without a sliver of a doubt that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict and I had to stop. Otherwise I would die. Whereas all of the times before that, I still kind of had this delusion that maybe I was just doing it wrong. Maybe it was just the Xanax that was the problem, or maybe it was the boyfriend that was the problem. But at that point, when I like couldn't function, I knew that it was over. So um, I just kind of opened myself up to the recovery process and I was willing to go through it, not without a little bit of kicking and screaming at some points, but I had all the evidence I needed. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like my, I ran my life into the ground. I couldn't deny it anymore. 
So I was in treatment for three months initially, and then I went to another treatment for another three months right after that, like an extended program. And then I was in sober living for six months. Um, So I was in a recovery community for a year, and I just got really involved in recovery. And I'm part of a program, which I don't really talk about in detail, but you know, I, I found a fellowship of like-minded people who had been through the same thing. And I found spirituality and I surrounded myself with people who had been through it and walked through it before me and they could show me the way. And what I found was like, I really, you know, I didn't want to be drinking and doing drugs all the time. And I think that's such a misconception about addicts and alcoholics is that they want to be doing that. And it's a moral choice. It's like, it was the last thing I wanted to do. I just couldn't not do it. So by the time I had enough time away from it and I got it out of my system and I found that I could be a person in society, I could go to Whole Foods without drinking a bottle of wine first, you know, I could pay a bill on time. I could, I could be my authentic self. Um, I, I just felt so good that I just wanted to keep doing it. And obviously there's a lot of work that went into it, a lot of therapy, a lot of healing, but yeah, it, it's just been such an amazing journey. I always thought that it was like my biggest weakness and something that I would be so embarrassed about if I got sober. And it's my biggest asset. You know, I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for it. I'm so proud of it. And yeah. So once I got sober and I had a couple years sober, I found myself in a place where I was like, okay, I'm mentally good and I, I'm emotionally good and I have this foundation and I have this life again. But I felt like I didn't recognize my body and I didn't feel comfortable and I felt like I was tired all the time and like I had different things going on, gut issues, hormonal issues, which I didn't know was happening at the time because I didn't know anything. I was kind of like, I feel like I was kind of in a fog from like the age of 18 to 28. So when I got sober, I was like this little baby bird. Like I had no idea what was going on. So at that point, I was like, well, I want to get healthy. So healthy to me meant getting abs. That was it. That was all I thought. I thought if you're healthy, you have abs. So I started doing this workout program and that program encouraged you to make an Instagram account to track your progress and meet other women that were doing it and for accountability. And so... I dove into that, got super into it. And that was when I started my Instagram account, which at the time was under the moniker, The Blonde Files, um, because I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I didn't show my face or tell anyone my name. And it just kind of caught on. And over the last, that was 2016, over the last four years, you know, I went through extremes because I didn't know... I feel like I, I just started to really understand wellness in the last like year or two. You know, I did the counting calories and the counting macros and the over-exercising and the restriction. And I've been to every end of the spectrum before yeah. I really found like what wellness actually is. And it's way more holistic than what we eat and what we do for movement, which is kind of, that was my idea of it at the time. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I think I read online, you did the BBG. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so many of my girlfriends did that, like to shred for their wedding. Yeah. Um, And I love that you called it jump till you die, because yeah. literally <laughs> I feel like you can only do that workout kind of in your 20s or if you're like, literally there's so many burpees you want to die. Um, But it does work. You get the results. Absolutely. And I feel like you kind of like you had a lot of press around this like because you were able to 
really prove that like weight is sort of just like a number. You stayed the same weight, but you completely changed your body, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is really effective because it's so hard. Like I can't (laughs) do it today. Now I'll do it occasionally for like just one round. So I'll do seven minutes and like, that's my work. (laughs) I don't know how I did it. I mean, eventually my body just kind of shut down because it was so much stress on my body. And yes, when you're younger, it's great. And I do know people my age-ish who still do it, but everyone's different. Um, Now I do a lot of like low impact, slow Pilates and I walk and everyone's like, well, when you walk, do you wear weights and go fast? I'm like, no, I walk. (laughs) (laughs) that's it it's just about embracing that movement too right I think like so many people get overwhelmed they're like exercise regimen must do you know like and it's like it's just about being kind to yourself and moving especially as you get older yeah you know for years I was trying to force my my body into this mold that I thought it should be and you know of course when I got there it was miserable <laughs> and that's a big part of my message when i talk about this it's like when you get the goal it's not the goal because the goal post keeps moving so you're never actually going to get there and when you do get anywhere close to that it doesn't feel good you know yeah. i really i my body was not happy with me at all so i had to stop i really stopped working out and doing all of it for like months even the better part of last year, I really just kind of took a step back. I focused on like meditation and like learning how to slow down because I was so fast and so hard on myself. And it showed up, you know, I started getting worse gut issues. I stopped getting my period. I was having, you know, I was breaking out all the time. Um, So I had to learn how to do it a different way. And that's kind of like, that's just how I am. I have to hit rock bottom with everything before I'm willing to change my how, my lifestyle, you know? I think you're not alone yeah. there. It's a process yeah, for sure. Sense. And another part of your journey that maybe people know or don't know is that you're married to Chuck Lorre, the genius writer and producer for shows like Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory. And I actually listened to your podcast with your husband and I found it fascinating because you just don't hear from someone like that in Hollywood, someone that influential who's actually making shows that are getting on TV. Um, And he had so much great advice. And you also spilled a little bit of tea about your relationship and you were sort of answering questions um, that people had sent in. And a lot of people were quite judgmental about like your May-December relationship. And you said you're sort of like cool with those, you know, assumptions and you've moved past them. Um, How did you get to that place? I think he and I kind of decided in the beginning, like this is either going to, we're either going to have an issue with that or not, because we know that's going to be part of it. And he said, I can't live my life according to what other people think. Like Mm -hmm. he, he has that, the life experience and the wisdom to have gotten to that point where he was just like, I can't, I can't do that. I'll be miserable. For me, the age issue was less of an, was less of an issue. Didn't really bother me he had more of a problem with it because he didn't want to look like a creepy predator. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. not who he is, obviously. But we were just kind of like, what other people think of us is none of our business. That's kind of the motto. And Mm -hmm. it was more worth it for us to pursue the relationship than to not pursue it because of, you know, societal norms, which is really what it is. There's judgment for sure, but mostly just from strangers. I mean, everyone who knows us 
totally embraced, you know, my family embraced him. They embraced me. Um, everybody just wants us to be happy. And they see that we're, you know, in an authentic relationship and we love each other so much. And it's really not weird when you're with us or maybe when you listen to us, it's not weird. I don't know. But I think it's like, it's just not normal to people because they're not used to seeing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I deal with a lot of judgment and trolls for many other things. Like I'm really mm-hmm. open about all my plastic surgery and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. And so yeah. I just try to remember that like when people are judging, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them. Yeah. And same goes, you know, it's for whatever I'm talking about, whether they're judging me for like my body when, you know, when I got all the press for the BBG stuff, or if it's mm-hmm. my plastic surgery or my relationship or whatever, it's, it says more about them than it does about us. A quick pause to hear about one of our show partners, Billy. Here's something I never thought I'd say. I actually look forward to shaving. And that's all thanks to Billy, the colorful razor brand that you've probably seen blowing up your Instagram feed. Basically, Billy's premium razors are making shaving cool again. And big names are taking note. They've won an Allure Best in Beauty Award, and it's made Nylon's beauty hit list. So what is Billy exactly? They've basically recreated everyday essentials, and they're delivering premium razors and high-performing body care directly to you. At my billy.com, you can get their starter kit subscription for just $9 delivered straight to your door. There's no pink tax, which means you're not paying more just because your razor happens to be top shelf worthy. The kit includes the razor, two refill blades, and the genius magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry between uses. From my personal experience, I usually am prone to razor burn, but with Billy, there's zero irritation for my sensitive skin, thanks to the fact that the five blades are encased in a charcoal shave soap, so there's no pulling, there's no dragging, and no separate shave gel required. Smooth as silk, baby. I love how close the shave is and then it gets all the hair in one swipe. No hair is left behind. And big news, Billy is changing more than the way that we shave. They've just released three completely clean, must-have products to add to your routine. Lip balm, dry shampoo, and face wipes. And I can attest each of them is just as Instagram-worthy as the razor. So to express a little love for our show, go to mybilly.com slash breaking beauty. It's a small way you can support us while getting the best razor that you'll ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping always. So go to mybilly.com slash breaking beauty. That's spelled M-Y-B-I-L-L-I-E.com slash breaking beauty. We'll link to that offer in our show notes and on our blog. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. And we are the hosts of A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, a weekly podcast all about discovery and enthusiasm. Well, that's how we describe it, but someone else described it even better, I think, as a unique mix of urgent discussions of non-urgent things and thoughtful conversations of important and otherwise ignored things. If you want to check it out and see what it's all about, check back every Monday where we drop new episodes. I think you'll like it. It's a great Monday morning ritual. A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the cosmetic surgery stuff because, you know, obviously we're a beauty podcast and I think our listeners will be really interested. And, you know, truthfully, we haven't had anyone on the podcast who's been, I think, as open as you just have been on your own feed about all the things that you've had done. And just 
you know, I listened to the one episode where you did the complete rundown. Everybody needs to go and hear it on the Blonde Files. Um, but it gets really specific. So tell us what some of these like cosmetic tweakments are that you've had done. How old were you when you started? We obviously can't go through it all in depth, but. Okay. This is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite <laughs> subject. Um, so I started with a nose job. This was 2017, three years ago. I was 30, 31, 30, 31. My entire life, like I can remember back as far as like 12 years old, wanting a nose job. I begged my parents. I just hated my nose for whatever reason. I look back and I'm like, it was cute. Like I was 12. What was I thinking? But that's another story. I think that was part of my early, like the early manifestation of my alcoholism. I was always looking for something outside of myself to fix how I felt inside. But needless to say, I always, always hated my nose. So when I was 30, 31, I decided to do it. So I did that procedure first. I did a lip lift at the same time. The doctor that I went to for my nose is the lip lift guy, Dr. Ben Talley here in Beverly Hills. Um, he's amazing. And at that point, I had been like overfilling my face. I have pictures on my Instagram. It was not cute. Filler face. I had it all in my cheeks, my lips. I had like the Marge Simpson lip. Like that was the top lip was hanging over because I was trying to get a little <laughs> lift. That was all I wanted. I didn't want the fullness, but I would go to all these different injectors and they would inject like under my nose to try to get like a little, you know, and it was just not cute at all. Mm -hmm. um, so he's like, you know, we'll dissolve the filler, do a lip lift, which is where they cut at the base of the nose. They cut the skin and the muscle and then they pull it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And at that time I also did, cause I was like, if I'm going under, just, you know, go for it. Package and deal. Yeah. Did, yeah. We also did profound RF, which is a radio frequency microneedling skin tightening treatment. They basically like stamp needles deep under your skin and heat them up. And it, um, I think it dissolves some fat. I could be wrong about that, um, but it stimulates like a healing response. So it's really good for tightening. Mm -hmm. so I did all that. And I was super happy with my results. By the way, can I ask you a question? How long did that take? Is that like a three hour... Thing to get all of that done, or do you remember? I think it was. I think it was more. I think. Uh, let's see. I think I went in around six a.m. and got out around twelve. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. So it was a. It was pretty extensive. It was an open rhinoplasty, which is always a little more extensive than a closed. But I think it was around maybe four or five ish hours. Um, probably took me a little bit to wake up, and then a couple mm -hmm. years later, I had been asking Ben, the doctor about a brow lift because I had naturally hooded eyes. It was always super cute my whole life. And then when I turned 30, things just started dropping a little bit. <laughs> when I say that, my husband is like, are you kidding me? Like you're a baby. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys had this experience, but you know, I just felt like things were starting to fall a little bit. Botox wasn't really doing anything. And I had this perpetually tired look. For some people, I think hooded eyes are great. I know that it's super trendy now to have these like Bella Hadid snatched. Like that was not what the I was going eye. for. Yeah. Ugh, don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> but I just didn't want to look tired and sad all the time. So for a couple of years, Ben was like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. You're, it's not, you're not there yet. Finally, I got to the point where he said, okay, yes, you can benefit from this. Mm -hmm. So I did a brow lift. I did an upper blepharoplasty at the same time, which is when they cut a little bit of the excess skin on the upper eyelid. This is my future, by the way. It's the... <laughs> It is life-changing. And, yeah. you know, the interesting thing is that I was like, 
oh my God, like everybody is going to notice after I get this done, especially online because, you know, you're on Instagram stories all day. I was so self-conscious about it and it did make a huge difference, but nobody ever noticed. It's that kind Mm -hmm. of procedure where you just look a lot more refreshed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really like imperceptible. Yeah. I thought it was interesting when I listened to your episode when you talked about in Hollywood and all the celebrities or like the supermodels that we see. And you were kind of saying that there's a bit of a sham going on when it comes to like Botox and fillers and what's really going on. And I hadn't really heard that before, to be honest. Like as far as I know, Botox is still like the greatest thing and it can kind of do everything. So maybe you can tell us about that. Yeah. So let's see where to start. I think that people kind of overgeneralize what Botox and filler can do. First of all, filler fills. It doesn't lift. (laughs) So I put a TikTok out actually documenting my brow lift process. And people were like, you could have just gotten filler. And I'm like, what? Like, where would I have gotten filler to lift my brows and my eyelids? Like, no, filler fills. Mm -hmm. And Botox is super, super effective. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's amazing. It's really good your forehead, around your eyes. Obviously, I like getting bunny lines, which is like in my nose, like those Mm -hmm. little wrinkles there. Um, Mm -hmm. For sure, it lifts, but by like millimeters, if that, you know, fractions of millimeters, it can't, like Botox is not how Bella Hadid achieved her brow brow situation. That's what I'll call it. Um, And now the big thing is threads. So I've done threads too. I did them in my cheeks and I talk about this all the time too, but they were effective for a few weeks because I was swollen. So I was swollen in my upper cheek area. So I looked super lifted and amazing. And then the swelling went away and there was no effect at all. And threads are basically like they superficially put threads like under your cheeks or at your jawline and it's meant to like lift you up. Just like a little, yes. they they say the proponents lift. of it, it's like a facelift without any downtime. Right. That's what they yeah. say. So to be fair, I only did two threads in each cheek. And I know that some places will put like eight or 12 if you're doing Ugh. your jaw on your cheeks. It was traumatizing. First of all, getting it, it was absolutely horrific. And then the pain and the discomfort after, like for three weeks, I couldn't move my face. And then wow. I like felt one pop out and it's just, I was like, I will never do this again, especially for how little of an effect I had from it. And now they're showing, I mean, this really like gets me so angry, but all these places that are doing thread lifts in the eyes, it's really unsafe. And I talked to Dr. Tally about this um, and he's very vocal about it. If people go look at his page, he's like, doctors took a Hippocratic oath to do no harm. Like this procedure does harm. It can only do harm. It has no benefit. A lot of the places that show it are photoshopping. um, And also that skin right there is so thin that Mm -hmm. you can see the thread and there's nothing to like suspend it on. It just doesn't work. Um, And you're pointing like around the brow to the temple. Yeah. Temple temple. area. Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. And what these places are doing is like, is they're, they're saying like hashtag Bella Hadid eyes. So now everybody thinks that this is what Bella Hadid did and Mm -hmm. it's not. So Back to your original question, um, Botox and filler for sure. I'm sure everybody's doing it, but if I'm doing these procedures, 
they're all doing these procedures. And I know right. a lot of the doctors that do them. If you have the money and the resources and it's your job to look a certain way, you're doing the whole thing. You're not just, yeah. you know. Well, you can clearly see that their butts have been done. So obviously oh, yeah. they're doing more than just that. <laughs> they're not going to do their butt and leave their face alone. You know, <laughs> you mentioned something about um, the ponytail lift. I hadn't heard that phrase before. What's that? The ponytail lift is uh, Dr. K-O, K-A-O. Okay. So it's a, uh, I believe it's endoscopic. So he goes in with a little scope from behind the ear. And it's basically, if you imagine, like if you pull your hair up in a tight ponytail, Yeah, that's the idea. So he... Ariella Grande, bring it on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure he did Bella Hadid at some point. I think she's had Mm -hmm. multiple procedures. She keeps changing throughout the years, but um, he trademarked KO eyes, which is like this almond-shaped eye. And he pulls up like around your jaw and your your mid-face area. So Mm -hmm. it just kind of has that like, quote unquote, snatched look. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's the ponytail lift. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm writing this down. <laughs> well, um, I, just, I just think it's so fascinating, Ariel, because, uh, you know, you've actually tried all these things. So you can say with yeah. firsthand experience, thread lifts are bullshit or like they're not worth it. And I'm just so into this conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's yeah. so few people that will go on record. And I also think it's really important that we're just demystifying that people are idolizing all of these women, it's not all au naturel. And we should, we should just be open about that at this point. Like, I really do think so. It, it will help with everyone's feeling, you know, because I just think people will look at those girls on Instagram and think they can never achieve it. But a lot of it is not natural either. It's a good doctor. Well, the whole, and the whole woke up like this, like, remember that hashtag? <laughs> It's like, well, I can wake up like that too, honey, if I get like the microblading and the lashes and the ponytail lift and, you know. (laughs) I know. I always say that like everything I do is so that I can wake up like that. (laughs) Like like, I want to be unnaturally natural. Yeah. That's the, I feel like that is truly the beauty ideal, like it or not going into this next decade and just where we're at and how the stakes have been raised. I think that's a lot of young people's ideal is they're like, I want to wake up looking snatched before I even touch a makeup brush. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of sad though, that like everybody is starting to look the same. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants to have those snatched eyes Mm -hmm. and like the big pouty lips and the teeny tiny little nose and the high cheekbones and the pointy chin. It's like everybody is kind of morphing into this clone of one another Right. Um, and it starts at the top, right? Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian and Kendall and mm-hmm. Bella and all of them. I yeah. think that they are kind of like, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if Bella Hadid saying, yeah, I got a facelift, if that would benefit her young fans because then mm-hmm. would they want to go get a facelift mm-hmm. or is it better that she just hides it? I think that they're mm-hmm. both problematic kind of. But for me, like when I decided to be open about it, I just felt like, well, I'm I'm in my 30s. Like, yes, I have people following me, but they can make their own decisions. And I would rather be open and honest about this, about what I'm doing and kind of like pull the veil off this whole thing than to dodge the questions or lie about it. You know, I just, yeah. I'm just not into mm-hmm. like dishonesty. 
Yeah. And I feel like it's really interesting. You're just putting it out there. You're saying, I, this is what I've had done. You're not forcing anyone to make that decision for themselves and still people come for you. Like, I don't understand that mentality. It's, it is this certain aspect of our society where people feel like they can really openly judge you if you have had, or you're open about having had cosmetic surgery. Mm -hmm. I think people just want to be outraged right now and (laughs) people need somewhere to direct their anger. And, you know, I knew when I decided to be open about it, that I would be on the receiving end of that. But I just, again, like kind of like how I was with the relationship, I just decided it's either going to be an issue or it's not. And so I just decided to kind of not pay attention to it. Um, Mm -hmm. Just not direct any energy there. You know, it is kind of, sometimes it's frustrating for me because I love talking about it. It's my, one of my favorite subjects. I love beauty stuff. It's kind of my vice now. You know, I don't have anything else. (laughs) But when I did that podcast episode, then I got contacted by like Entertainment Tonight and all these people and they all want to do press. And I'm like, for years, I've been talking about like recovery and mental health and all these things. (laughs) And then, you know, I talk about plastic surgery and everyone comes knocking or like, back when I changed my body, quote unquote, everyone came walking. So it's still these like superficial things. And then there's the added aspect of like being married to a guy twice my age, you know, that has a stigma around it. And then am I confirming this archetype and stigma by talking about plastic surgery? I don't know, but that's my truth. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm just going to live it. Exactly. I totally agree. I'm an oversharer. So, you know, I can relate. I, for one, am very happy that you're doing it. And I think that it's helping a lot of people who just maybe are sitting at home Googling and they're the firsthand experience. Just you don't know what you can trust, really. Yeah, exactly. And I Mm -hmm. think, yeah, the judging is not, you know, I think we need to move away from that where we're like taking each other down. On the other hand, I am curious, like I'm a mom and I have a daughter. She's really young now. Like, do you have an opinion about just like how young is too young or, you know, like you said, it's, it's like everybody has a choice and I agree with that as well. I'll probably get a bra lift at some point, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to encourage young people to just like you said, Mm -hmm. to go out and feel like they need like a nose tweak and a this and a that to look pretty in this day and age. Like how, what are your thoughts on that? I kind of have mixed thoughts. I mean, I think as far as like how young is too young, I think before 18, I think that's Mm -hmm. all you can really do, right? Because at 18, they can do anything they want to do. And doctors will, you know, in most cases, do little tweaks if that's what they want. There is the fact that your face is still changing when you're that age. So if I had done some of this when I was younger, like it would look different now. And I think a lot of these girls that are doing things really young are going to look a lot older. I think the most important thing is to really like really figure out what the motive is. So if you're changing something because you want to look like somebody else or if you're changing something because you feel like shit on the inside, like that's not a good reason. And for me, I waited until I was at a place where I could honestly say like I really loved myself and I accepted myself and I was happy with everything. I wasn't trying to fix something else. And then it was coming from the right place, you know? So I think that's really important.
we want to move on to skincare. And what are some of your staples that have really made a difference for you? Like some of your tried and true products, but also like any new discoveries that you're loving for skincare. Okay. My new discovery who I found through the beauty broker. I don't know if you guys know her. Mm-mm. She's she is beauty broker official on Instagram. She's a plastic surgery consultant. So she's like right. a matchmaker. She matches people with doctors. She knows a lot about beauty and skincare, obviously. So I found this product by Babor, B-A-B-O-R, through mm-hmm. her. Are you guys familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, a really big aesthetics brand. Like if you're <sighs> like a spa brand, basically. Okay, so their two-step cleansing oil is life-changing. <laughs> Oh, I cannot even tell you what it did for my skin. Crazy. Try, try. Night and day, (laughs) night and day. I had been using hydropeptide cleanser for years. And then I would use like Barbara Sturm occasionally and Tatcha and the rest of my regimen I've been doing for years. And it's great, but I felt like I was, I was still like clogging in my nose and my chin. And I was still having issues with dryness, no matter what moisturizer I used. And I was never really fully like getting that good cleanse that I wanted. And if I used something stronger, I would break out. So I started using this, which is a two-step cleansing oil. I don't know exactly what both steps entail, but it changed my skin. Like it's so clear now, no clogging, super supple. It's amazing. It looks so dewy right now. Over the Zoom, it looks so dewy, I'm telling you. you. (laughs) So is it a two-step or is it a two-in-one? Two-step. So Mm -hmm. um, I think they're like $30 each. It's not crazy. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. use the first oil, you rub it over your face. If you have makeup on, it breaks through that. It's You massage it for like a minute and then you use the second oil, massage that on top, and then you wet your fingers and massage it and then you rinse off. And it's like squeaky clean, no trace of anything. Soft, amazing. Oh, any other uh, desert island beauty (laughs) products you can't live without? All the cliches, I'm throwing them all in there. (laughs) So, okay. So I do that. I love osmosis vitamin A serum. Are you guys familiar? Oh, I don't know that one. Life-changing. I've been using it for years. It's vitamin A, so it's like a retinol, but it's non-inflammatory and it makes you so glowy. They have a couple different phases. So they have Calm, which is like a really gentle one. And then they have Clarify, which is good for acne prone skin. And then I think they have one more, but Mm -hmm. they're amazing. So I use that. I love Hydropeptide. uh, What is it? Redefining Serum, I think it's called. All of their serums are really good. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that line. No. Is it another like doctor's office brand? No. So I get it through my facialist. It changed my skin. I've been using it for a couple of years. And we will find it. We'll link to it on yeah, our blog, it's, guys. All of their products are really, really good. So I love that. I love SkinCeuticals, uh, C and E. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. like my ride or die. Mm-hmm. Same. What else? Um, mm-hmm. Envy Skin. Are you familiar with them? Yes. I feel like that mm-hmm. is... We heard about that also from someone else in LA. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's another one that my facialist uses. It's a, uh, I use their glycopeel. So it's a 10% glycolic acid. So I'll use that like once or twice a week. And that also was life-changing. Like <laughs> I say that about all these products because I started using them a couple of years ago when I was having skin issues and it cleared mm-hmm. everything up and I've been using them ever since. So I don't really like buy too many of the trendy things. And I'm curious to hear from you guys on my show about what you're loving because you guys are way sure. more in the know than I am. Mm-hmm. But these are like my tried and true things that I just I don't yeah. deviate too much from. 
That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, your skin looks amazing. Thank you. Um, What's next for you? I know off the top of the interview, you talked about going back to school. So, and I've followed you on Instagram where you're talking about pursuing this like professional dream that you have. So can you fill us in on that? Yes. So my dream was always to go to med school. (laughs) And I always said, like, after I got sober, I was always like, well, if I could do it again, I would go to med school. And then I got to this point where I was like, well, I don't have to do it again. I could just try to do it now. Mm-hmm. Now, I do have a lot going on <laughs> with the podcast and the Instagram and the website. And you guys know it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. I never finished my undergrad because of my addiction and all of that. I did go back to school when I got sober for two years for um, drug and alcohol counseling, but that was like a separate certificate thing. It wasn't, it wasn't an undergrad. And it's just always bothered me. So. During this whole quarantine situation with less distractions, I've kind of like, I don't know, just kind of like realized some of my my truth, I guess. And, you know, we're so used to running around and going from one thing to the next and the next. And so if I have this idea, it's easy to just squash it down and move on to the next thing. But with all of this time, I've been like, oh, this is still a very real thing for me. So one step at a time. <laughs> I am going back to school. It's a grind trying to do it now at this age and having been away from school for so long, but I'm just going to do it one semester at a time. So I just finished a semester now or last Friday. I have a break until June and in June is when I start with like the really intense stuff, so a lot of the science and math which should be interesting. And Hopefully I can transfer into like a UC or a school around here and go from there. So that's kind of what I have going on. And what kind of a doctor do you want to become? Do you know? I I was thinking emergency medicine. Wow. But then I kind of come back to like what I'm doing now and wellness and holistic wellness. And I, you know, it's not lost on me how broken our medical system is and how we kind of treat, we treat symptoms. We don't really focus on root causes. And that's really important to me. So maybe I would do something more functional or holistic. Um, And then I always, I feel like I just have to put it out there that I might find that I want to do something completely different, you know? And last question, finish this sentence. Beauty is... Confidence. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Agree. You can get all the surgery. And if you're not, (laughs) if you're not confident, it doesn't matter. I think that's so true thing, you know, totally agree. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday.